Hello, Blaine here. Before we get started, I just wanted to apologize for the audio quality this week. I'm just about to head out for an out-of-town trip that is going to prevent me from, unfortunately, re-recording this episode, and I didn't realize until I sat down to edit that Audacity had somehow switched to my internal microphone instead of the Yeti. So the content is all there, but unfortunately there's a lot of echoing and tinniness just because I wasn't facing the low-quality microphone that was being used for the recording. So I apologize for that in advance. Now, on to the episode. Episode 90 of the X-Files Retrospective Podcast, released through Bureau 42. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. This time around, we're looking at Tunguska, the first part of a two-parter. It originally aired on Sunday, November 24th, 1996. The IMDb user score when I first collated these was 8.7 out of 10. It has since risen to 8.8 out of 10. The action is split between Washington, D.C. and actually Tunguska, Russia, for the most part. It was written by series creator Chris Carter and directed by mainstay Kim Manners. Now, this is definitely a mythology episode. It opens with a very nice over-the-head shot in a congressional hearing in which Gillian Anderson is being forced to answer questions about the whereabouts of Agent Mulder. Now, this is a case where the teaser takes place after the first scene we're going to see after the credits, which can often feel like it's trying to you know, wrap up tension early on when the normal sequence of events won't do that. It doesn't feel like that in this case, given that the scene after the credits almost immediately reestablishes the black oil when a man traveling under diplomatic immunity and diplomatic papers is subjected to a random search, and that in that search, the black oil escapes. So while that opening teaser would have been a little bit longer had it started that way, it doesn't feel like they jumped to the end out of necessity. This time it does really feel like a choice. In the cast, we've got our regulars, David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson, our semi-regulars, Mitch Pileggi and William B. Davis. We see Nick Lee return as Alex Krychek, who is introduced as working for a bunch of underground terrorists who discovered him in the missile silo, and he kind of played along, but was actually the one anonymously leaking information to Agent Mulder to get this bust to happen. We also see the return of Lori Holden as Marita Kovarubius. The return of John Neville as the well-manicured man, and the return of Brendan Beiser as Agent Pendrel. Now, in addition to that, we have some first-time guest stars as well. Now, Fritz Weaver is an actor with a tremendous career. He's got 138 credits, dating back to 1957. He is still active today at roughly age 90. He appeared in a couple episodes of the original Twilight Zone. He was in the Asphalt Jungle TV series. Dr. Kildare, The Man from Uncle, Rawhide, Felony Squad, Big Valley, All My Children, Mission Impossible, Room 222, Mannix, Barnaby Jones, Cannon, The Martian Chronicles, Magnum P.I., The Love Boat, The Updated Twilight Zone, Tales from the Dark Side, Murder, She Wrote, Star Trek Deep Space Nine as Kovat in Tribunal. Aside, if you check out that episode of Listen to the Prophets, that was one of the episodes I was invited onto as a guest speaker. 
or guest host. He appears in this and the next X-Files as Senator Albert Sorensen. There is only two X-Files appearances. He would then go on to appear in Frasier, Law & Order, and most recently the movie The Congressman. Malcolm Stewart has 182 credits to his name. He's a Canadian actor, so a lot of Canadian TV viewers will recognize him from the shows that he's popped up in. His credits go back to The Littlest Hobo in 1984. He also appeared in the updated Alfred Hitchcock Presents, Street Legal, the updated Twilight Zone from the 1980s, a couple episodes of MacGyver, the movie Time Cop, Jumanji, and this is his fourth appearance in the X-Files. He previously appeared in The Pilot as Dr. Glass, as Commander Carver in 3, and as Agent Bonacazzi in Avatar. And he appears this week and next week as Dr. Sachs. He was also in FX The Series, Millennium, the Net TV series, which was, I felt, substantially better than the film. Various voices in Sherlock Holmes in the 22nd Century. Three different characters on Smallville. Marshall Baggett in Battlestar Galactica. Mr. Bradford Hooper in Kyle XY and so forth. So this episode does a lot to forward the myth arc, and doesn't just introduce new elements, but it brings back the black oil, it brings back Crycheck, it brings back the power structure that shows that the cigarette smoking man reports to others as well, and it calls into question some of the assumptions that viewers may have made about the vaccine, what the vaccine is supposed to be vaccinating us against, what it's for, and so forth. Up to this point, we felt it was just the smallpox vaccine that was collecting samples, but as this episode develops, we see that Krychek seems to be very subtly planning and manipulating events. There's a number of things that happen that have to happen his way. He makes sure that Mulder busts the people that he's with, and he seems to know where the investigation is going to lead Mulder, even though he doesn't go into great detail, to the point that when Mulder is ready to leave him locked in a car at the airport while he goes to Russia, Krychek starts swearing at Mulder in Russian, as though he doesn't know where Mulder's going but it's enough to get Mulder to turn around, come back, and bring him along. When he's there, it sounds like he's working with the Russians. And then in the final shot, Mulder has been injected with something through the back of his neck, and then he's strapped down and tied under chicken wire along with a number of other people as the black oil is released onto him and starts to go into him. So the question is, is he going to be captured, given that it's network TV on a series that really only has two main stars, and it's in its prime? And in the middle of a season, even though it is sweeps week, it's unlikely that Mulder's going to be permanently possessed by the Black Oil. So my first instinct, even watching this in 1996, was, is this the vaccine they were talking about? Are the Russians developing a vaccine preventing infection by the Black Oil? We do get a few good moments, including a scene with Marita Kovarubias, in which it appears as though she may or may not be trying to seduce Mulder. You know, she invites him to stay, tells him he could take all the time he wants and then goes into her bedroom wearing nothing but a nightgown. Three minutes later, Mulder's back in the car with Krychek, ready to go to Russia. So either he is that dedicated to his cause that he can walk away from a woman who looks like Lori Holden, which, speaking as a single heterosexual male, not necessarily an easy thing to do, or three minutes is just all the time he needs. And the way they've portrayed Mulder up to this point, we really don't know which it is. Anyway, this is... An entertaining episode, very well shot by Kim Matters, who puts a lot of emphasis on the relationship between Mulder and Scully, which is something that David Duchovny felt. Part two is directed by someone else, and Duchovny feels that, you know, he's not necessarily worse than Matters, but has a different set of strengths. And that's something that he said in the interview, which is a good fit for that one. 
this episode is also a great one to have been filmed in Vancouver. The first five seasons of the series were filmed in Vancouver, and this does take a lot of advantage of Vancouver's wilderness for the final scenes that are supposedly set in Tunguska. Now, as far as the new features dealing with the science involved are concerned, this is a little bit tricky. Yes, it is possible for an alien virus or bacteria to infect a human. All we need is compatible biology, and and while the biology from other worlds may be dramatically different, it may not be. We just frankly don't have enough information at this time to make that judgment. I would believe that we are vulnerable to the virus just as easily as I would believe that we are immune to a given virus if they're of extraterrestrial origin. Now, in terms of the way this one behaves, where it appears as though it's oil and then collects almost into worms and travels under the skin and into the eyes, at one point possibly penetrating a containment suit that's meant to be sealed and tight, that would need a fairly decent explanation to convince me that it's not some sort of intelligent behavior. Because from what I see now, this virus would need to have at least rudimentary intelligence to analyze its surroundings. It's not randomly walking on people's skin until it finds nostrils or ears to enter. It's going straight for them. So that tells me this oil has to be able to sense or perceive what is going on in the physiology of the person or the victim that it's in contact with. And that's something that is beyond the scope of most viruses, as I understand them. Anyway, that's it for this week. Join us again in two weeks' time as we discuss Terma. Thank you for listening.